Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to V with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Canada, the show of the Philippines, Paramore, San Antonio's cocktail dream team, and more. Today's guest is the amazing Johnny Umal, formerly of Paramore and many other great San Antonio cocktail establishments. But this chat is an interesting one. You know, you keep up with Johnny's Facebook feed, for instance, and you get to see all these amazing adventures. He's now kind of experiencing as a ride-sharing driver, but this chat is the first I think he talks about actually transitioning out of the bar industry into full-time riding, Hemingway-esque at times, Steinbeck, etc., etc. But we'll see what Johnny is up to. It's great getting to know him and understand where he's come from, the political turmoil, the violence, the lack of violence in Canada, and so much more. So I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Johnny Umal. I'm kind of tired. <laughs> kind of tired. It's been it's been a very eventful week for me. I've uh, been just kind of nose deep in cocktail conference. Yeah. What so. it, thinking about this week, which is this interesting. I mean, I keep using this word duality in these chats this week. I don't know why, but there is the academic side, mm-hmm. which is a great thing. You got Missy Kalkofen talking about sustainability. You got Guillermo Salazar talking about tequila. Tomas, yeah. great stuff, right? But there's also a massive amount of indulgement. Indulgence, rather. You know, I, I've always had this study uh, practice in you know when I was in college, is, and the best way I can remember things when I when I really cram mm-hmm. is if I'm completely intoxicated when I do it. Yeah, uh, I have a odd photographic memory. Do you really? Yeah, I do. It's it's really weird. Holy I mean, sh- that's you know that's not weird. That's superhero like. Uh, is it weird because it's like memento and you remember things? Well, no, it's or? it's it's. It's it, it's unlike people where you know the more alcohol they drink, the right. less they remember. I'm kind of the other way around. You're opening the third wall. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's fucking. I, I don't. I don't understand. I'm sorry. I'm no, I like too much. No, I like this. No, I mean we're gonna talk about whatever. <laughs> I want you to feel like this is the thing, right? We're sitting here with Kapitas yeah. drinking water, drinking yeah. mezcal. Well, I gotta kind of chase it down a little bit right now. Never. The, the uh, heartburn's kind of. I love the heartburn part. No, actually, it's not true. That's why I don't drink daiquiris that often, actually. You know, I, I, every time I try... So I was one of the idiots that was there, that happened to be there when, I guess, like San Antonio decided to just slam daiquiris. Right. Uh, a, a very historical moment, I'm ve- sure. Very historical moment. We were all in the Brooklyn Line, and it was like mostly like guys that still work in the company yeah. right now, and then uh, Javi uh, Gutierrez, who mm-hmm. works at Park Social now. Uh, so it was a bunch of us. We were together... And somebody, I think, I don't want to say it was Jarrell, had the bright idea of just like, hey, make us five daiquiris okay. for, for the crew. Yeah. And, I'm, and I, remember, I remember that because I said, like, I don't want a daiquiri right now, man. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's too sweet. I yeah. don't really want one right now. 
Uh, not saying that they can't make a daiquiri, right? But it's just but it's like a it's time a, and place, dude. You it's, know, it's a sweet drink. Yeah, I don't like it. It's acidic. It, that's the whole point. It's, it's, it's acidic and it's really sweet. I, I just, I'm not one of those guys that right. like base bartender skills on da- daiquiris. You know, yeah. But uh, so he laid it out, and then he just goes, "Okay, we're gonna take it like a shot." Oh God! It's like, what do you mean? Like we're gonna chug it? Like yeah, we're gonna chug it. It's a full cocktail. <laughs> You're gonna chug it, Johnny. And, you know, being the smallest guy in the group, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess it's going to be one of those nights. Um, what do you think is ultimately the point of that shit? What? what? All right, let's, let's, see if, let's bring it back. Let's okay. widen the lens about this, right? Okay, so do it. So how, how old are you now? I am now 35 years old. 35, right? great. Yeah. So I'm 36, turning 37 here in a few weeks. So we're, we've been through some shit. Sounds like you went to college. We'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. Sounds like you were a creative dude writing even, right? So, yeah. Okay, great. So we're both in this industry or in this time and place. Yeah. Things are thriving. It's yeah. like the fucking glorious 20s, right? Lots of great cock- great cocktails. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But it's a great time. There's a decision we have to make at this age <laughs> <laughs> that either we go all in uh-huh. and it's worse for us because we're older yeah. or we just realize like you can pick and take the cocktails you want to drink and the ones that you don't. So being immersed in this culture, surrounded by dudes that are very business business savvy. Yeah, absolutely. Makers of cocktails. Do you have? How do you feel about saying no to shit? You know, see, I can't say no because some of the most successful, you know, Jarrett and Chris Ware, yeah. who I worked for, all these guys, they're so like great at what they do. Right. But I feel like an idiot when I say no to them because I know they can party harder than I can. And but, it, the, but, what, but what does it matter though? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I just you feel like you need to keep up with it. Mm, maybe that's probably just like bro code. Yeah, you for know? sure. Well, no, I'm I don't I, I'm casting no judgment, man. Yeah. Like you want to hang? Like, yeah, if everybody's eating pizza, you're gonna eat pizza. Of Everybody drink a mezcal and a mezcaleria, you're gonna drink it. Of course. It's like, how do you? But but at some point, does it become difficult to balance all of that? To balance all that drinking? It, honestly, it, it it hasn't been. And actually, lately, I haven't really been binge drinking as much as I was like in years past. Yeah. Uh, I've actually kind of toned it down quite a bit, and actually the last couple of nights, you know, and usually it's cocktail conference, everybody gets a little sure, crazier sure. than usual. I've been very, I wouldn't say responsible, because responsible is I wouldn't, you know, I would stop drinking every, right. you know, two shots. Um, You've tempered it. I've, I, yeah, I, I've kind of toned it down a whole lot. Yeah. A whole lot. That's good. I mean, is there, was there a moment that that felt necessary, or is it just like, nah? just feels like the right thing to do for me it's it's i mean it's both you know kind of you know my age advancing i guess maybe yeah. i don't Dude, know I, we can talk about age you know, you know? like I'm, I'm here to commiserate with you like i i remember because i remember my metabolism slowed down considerably when i turned 26 yeah and like now like i don't get hangovers anymore i get just really bad heartburn oh yeah yeah. And that's the worst. I don't like waking up and I, and like I feel like I got to claw my chest open just to I get this. Yeah, it's terrible. I drink so much milk now, and which sucks because I'm lactose intolerant too. God so damn. it's just you're just walking in a circle. <laughs> it's it's a Drinking terrible cycle. It's a yeah. terrible cycle. I'm not gonna cure myself. Like I'm not gonna check on WebMD because they're probably gonna tell me I'm gonna die. So yeah, no, you're not gonna die. You know what's actually a, I find very interesting. So acidity, right? So heartburn being the mm-hmm. kind of ex- excess of acidity in your stomach. Well, oh, yeah. A bunch of greens, which are very alkaloid, alkaline, I can't yeah. remember the word. That actually helps. And then they're non-dairy. So like kale helps, broccoli helps. I love kale, actually. See, and it's really good because it'll just, it basically stabilizes the pH of your stomach. 
thusly kind of canceling out. Right. That's a tip for, for me to, to you being just a mere year older than you. Well, you know, like I said, I've been toning it down, but I guess it is cocktail conference. So I know, dude. I mean, we're also drinking mezcal at 12, 12 21. That's 20. fair. Yeah, okay. It's, East it's Coast, afternoon. it's one thirty. That's no, yeah. Yeah. I it's, think it's, we're, it's past noon. Okay. It's good company, too. Yeah. Okay. You know? There you go. There That's we go. How about that? that? That's really, it's cel- we're, we're celebrating. In yeah. A sense. And so it's brilliant to be here. It's brilliant to sit down and chat. And again, I thank you for kind of stepping away from Taco Land over there in the San Anthony Hotel. But you are a San Antonio dude. So everything that I was I was reading or could read, you've mm-hmm. been here your whole life. Is that correct? Not so much. Okay, now that, that, there's, that's a very long story. But well, no, I mean, please, this, yeah. is, this is what it's all about. Um, so I was actually born in the Philippines, okay. in Quezon which, City. Which is why you speak Tagalog, right? Yes. Yeah, I know very, Quezon I'm, City, actually. Which is, I'm, I'm not... Probably as fluent as I need to be, but I don't think it really is because of the fact that I've been away from the language that yeah. much. I think it's more because I never really spoke. Like my my Tagalog got up to like, I don't know, like till I was like ten years old. Okay, That's not so too bad. I don't really know how to take an order. Oh, you know, I see. yeah. But I can have like just minimal like conversations. Right, I don't think right. I can debate with you politically. Like, uh, I can't hardly do it in English. Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I was there until I was ten. Uh, after ten, I moved to Canada, to Calgary. What What was the impetus for moving from the Philippines? Ah, uh, you know, it, and it when I the lived whole, there, yeah. when I lived there, it was a crazy place. It was it was insane. Um, the Marcos, right? Yeah. So yeah. I was there for the ascent of uh, the Ferdinand Marcos regime. Yeah. Uh, so I know, nineteen eighty two, I believe. Uh, what was it? Uh, the, one of the one of the things I heard is he killed a whole like group of his political opponents in a open air theater because he dumped cement from the top. Holy shit! He it's crazy shit. I real mean, like, real tense and like very violent. Yeah, I remember the People's Power uh, 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 revolution in 1986 at EDSA. I remember being there because you know my parents were of course you know supporters of like getting rid of Mark. I mean nobody liked them right. at that point. And I remember a lot of parallels to right now, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the funny part about that. But yeah, that's another time, History. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but I remember I would remember that they were walking me down the street, and I just see large tanks, and they're blocking tanks. I'm like, what is go-? like as a child, you don't really think about that. Yeah. And I, that's one of my memories, you know. And you don't really think about that as a child, but like you know, when I finally started learning about these things in school, I'm like, holy shit! That's I was incredible, in a yeah. terrible time. Yeah. But I know? mean, incredible in the sense that. When and else in your life will you be, not that you should, but will you be exposed to something that is so prof- it's it, profound, like shit happened then that yeah. shaped the nation like, yeah, after exactly. that, you know? I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Again, a parallel probably to how we're living in the States now. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't think he's, you know, done any mass murdering yet, but yeah. uh, we'll see. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. It and happens then, in incremental to- places and times and in, in incremental activities yeah exactly exactly. so is it safe to assume then the move to calgary is for what do they call it sanctuary like in a way yeah because my dad was also uh he he rubbed elbows with like certain politicians yeah uh i mean you know i guess it's given his position and uh, he 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 was what what did he do he was a manager in a large uh large corporate uh entity over there um and uh you know, of course, that uh, that uh, the uh, I remember the the people who were working under the labor unions under him mm. opposed the guy that he's supporting. So mm. at a certain point, we were getting death threats as a family. 
Mm. Uh, I had a, the unfortunate event of being in the car with him when he was taking me home from school, and we passed by like some sort of check stop. And then, of course, he has bumper stickers all over it. Mm. Check stop is run by the uh, NPA, which is the National People's Army, the, uh, the uh, 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 communists. Mm. And they saw the stickers, and they, you know, they were going to get him out and do whatever, and he just drove off. And so the first time I got shot at was with uh, AK-47. Holy shit. When I was eight years old. That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I didn't know none of us got hit, but the car was in terrible shape when we got home. Dude, can you, so you, you mentioned not being able to really grasp the concept or kind of what's going on with the tank piece, which that kind of makes some sense. Yeah. Tanks are toys and stuff yeah, for us when we're exactly. younger. Exactly. But getting shot at in a car? Yeah, that's scary. That's frightening, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's frightening, especially when especially when you later on find out that the, the, the rounds of these things are like that long. Holy shit. Like the, the bullets yeah. are that big. Like, oh my God. It's like nothing to Imagine that at. just like, you know, piercing your skin. Right. It, it's, it's a terrible thing to think about, but... So suffice it to say, like, with this culmination of violence and threats and just overall tension, you guys got to get the fuck out of that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, and not only that, there was, like, two coup d'etats that happened. Wow. You know, I remember, like, going to school, ducking, you know, uh, gunfire. Because the uh, Army used our uh, school at the time as, as a state, uh, like, 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 as a base. Okay. So it was it was craziness. God, so yeah, there was a lot of craziness. Crazy. I can't I can't fathom it. You know, and, and a lot of people were like, when people when I would tell people that story, they're like, I was in the Philippines. It wasn't that crazy. I was like, yeah, where were you though? You're, you're way after the crazy yeah. part. The crazy part stopped in 1992. I was gone by then. Yeah, but yeah, no, that that was I was pretty much you know the the whole time I was there was just full of strife. It's it's were, ridiculous. Were you able to be a kid? You know what I mean? Because kid, part of that's being innocent and not really understanding. More or less, more or less. I mean, uh, it wasn't like, you know, in our neighborhood that we lived in that, you know, we had, you know, armies going down and, you know, just kind of like pointing guns at people. It wasn't really like that. But, you know, with everything that's kind of happening around you, like when you left your little, you know, quiet pocket of, you know, of Manila and you actually went into the city, then it's just crazy. That's crazy, man. So how... Could you feel the difference in tempo being in Canada? Oh, absolutely. Canada was so much more uh, laid back. Yeah. It's probably quite possibly the most laid back place I've ever lived in. Yeah. Uh, and, um, yeah, and, and, you know, I actually don't like the hot weather. That's why I really hate this winter right now. Oh, and it's, like, all humid today in the winter. I know. It's, it's terrible. It's like a San Antonio, like, summer right yeah, now. Yeah, it's so crazy. Uh, but I, I, I remember walking out of the plane... And feeling the cold air, and I remember my my first reaction was being a ten year old kid, like, "Oh my god, this place just feels like it's under AC the whole time." <laughs> you know, I remember that thinking that, and then my mom's like, "Well, it's really cold here. Like the weather gets really cold." Right. And I said, "This is this is great. I, I won't can ha- do this. Yeah, I, I don't have to sweat anymore. I love this. I mean, I, of course, I've had some really bitter winters. Yeah. Uh, that." Where I was just like, yeah, okay, this may be too cold. Yeah, I mean, it pushes us. I mean, you're living in extremes here, right? Yeah, exactly. So I went from extreme tropical to extreme Canada. Oh, oh, got it. Right, right, right. And then to the next leg of it, which is fucking Texas heat. Which is Texas heat that is just super humid. Yeah. So gross. So how long were you in, you said uh, Calgary, right? Calgary, yeah. Uh, So that was post-1988 Olympics, post-1989. They won the, the, the claims won the Stanley Cup. Oh, cool. 
Uh, so I, at the time when I got there, it was like rich in sports. Yeah. Uh, you know, like sports was very celebrated over there, and you know, so I got into hockey because ice hockey, of course. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fun game to get into. I mean, it really. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, it, they just hit each other and then they get into fights, yeah. and then nobody could ever score anything. I was like, that's the same with soccer. It's way more in soccer, except it's got to be difficult to ice skate like that, right? Oh yeah, it's difficult to ice skate. Control a stick with a little fucking puck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the puck is smaller than this mic thing. The, got. Yeah, the puck yeah. filter. Way smaller. Way smaller. Oh. I'm not gonna check that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, we both have phones. We're getting pinged. I'm like, hmm, I wonder who's chatting. But yeah, so it's. It, that I love the, the kind of the difference, the contrast. Yeah, where it's like jungly. Yeah, maybe some soccer. Yeah, it's freaking Calgary, Alberta, yeah. right? Uh, and then lots of snow. Yeah, ice skating. Oh yeah. What kinds of things did you? I mean, so it's cool the ice skating bit, but for you, what did you really take an interest in beyond sports? Um, I think that's probably where my so back almost kind of like when I was a kid. I actually didn't speak Tagalog until I was four years old. I actually spoke English first. Oh, really? Uh, so Which both your parents spoke English? Or? Yes. My, my, my mom liked to watch uh, American movies. Yeah. So by and then she, when she get me books, she would get me American books, yeah. like English books, not, not Tagalog books. So my first exposure to language has been English. Mm. Uh, I could understand what they were saying, but I would always respond in English. And, then, you know, I remember my aunts and uncles thinking that was weird, but they're like, oh, well, Pretty much, that's what he was, you know, surrounded by. Yeah. Uh, so it probably also contributes to the fact that I can't really speak very good Tagalog these days. But nonetheless, I kind of picked up my passion for cooking and writing uh, when I was in Canada. Yeah. Because one day my mom was actually lazy. Uh, she came in from work. She had a hard day at work. She's like, "I don't feel like cooking. Why don't you guys cook?" And my sister's like, I don't want to burn anything down. And my little brother was like, I don't want to burn anything down. Right. I'm like, I kind of want to burn something down. Let's do this. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, tell me what to do. Like, just just sit there. Tell me exactly what to do, and I'll I'll do it. And not only that, and I used to always just like watch my mom cook yeah. when I was a kid. So I I've always been really interested in cooking. So I picked those two up, and when I got to school, I just you know I was kind of a loner. You know, well, it's uh, hard when you move. You yeah, know? you don't know anybody. Like everybody doesn't look like you. You know, it's yeah. kind of weird. You know, but so I, I just kind of took to just reading a lot of books, and with those reading books, and I started just writing. Yeah. And uh, so I just, you know, when when everybody was like, "Wow, this guy's scoring really high in English. What is going on here?" This guy, you know, yeah. Being being that I was an immigrant from from a you know predominantly non English speaking country, they're like, "What?" Like, and then I would read like the stories out loud, and they're like, "What the hell? Did he write that? Did somebody?" <laughs> I remember my teachers like, did somebody write that for you? I'm like, no, I, I did it. So you could create it. You had yeah. a lot going on creatively. Yeah. What yeah. kinds of things did you like to write about? Honestly, it's usually in the uh, nonfiction. Well, I won't say nonfiction, but like I, I like to write about the human human interactions. Yeah. Maybe because, like I said, I was a loner and maybe because I longed for that or I, I was looking for that. Great point, yeah. Uh, that I would always like to create you know, human interactions mm-hmm. in my stories. And so I remember writing a bunch uh, of that, and my teachers were like, "Holy shit! Like, what? Why are you? Like, where are you coming up with this?" Yeah, and I was like, "I, I don't know. I just, I just do it." That's amazing. You know, so yeah, I, I, I'm sure if I read those things again, like I don't know if my mom kept any of them. Yeah, but I'm sure if I read them again, oh god, that was awful. But well, no, but for the time I was 12 place, years old. I mean, that's so. yeah, that's pretty exceptional. Yeah. How far did writing take you? Because I imagine academically, is there a lot of pressure to go to college and all that? 
Um, there, there is a lot of pressure. I mean, I know there's a, a running stereotype joke where you know Asian people, you know, I was like, gonna say, yeah, well, I'm, I'm gonna say it because yeah. I'm, I'm going to say but it. But it happens. That but happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's always been a thing. I, I didn't like going to school. I actually really hated school. But you did well. Uh, no, no. <laughs> you did actually, well in English. No. I, I did well in certain uh, certain subjects. I was great in English. I was great in theater. I was great in uh, PE. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was great in, uh, yeah, you know, th that's it. That's mm -hmm. it, really. I, I sucked at science. I sucked at math. Uh, okay, I was decent in history. I was mm -hmm. decent in history. I was, I was B student in uh, history. Uh, so that's, that's good. But everything else I was terrible at, you know. And not so much that because I couldn't understand the criteria. Just, I just wasn't interested. You probably... I'm not not to say you're better than it, but sometimes those like really broad and kind of deep thinkers, it's yeah. just they can't be occupied in our realm, right? It's, they have it's to be just in this like other place. I mean, well, how often? I mean, I'm I'm 35 now. I have not had to use a quadratic equation once. Yeah, I can't recall. I, mean, I haven't. I, I haven't been. I, I didn't have to like graph an equation once. Yeah, in my like since since getting out of algebra. Like, sure. Why are you teaching me this? You know, that's that's. I understand, actually, in the bigger sense. No, you're you know, utilitarian. You yeah, got time, I man. You want to put understand. it to good use. Yeah, I completely understand the the point of it, but you know, just for me, for myself, uh, edu like the, the the traditional way of education was just not for me. Yeah. So I didn't like going to class. I didn't like having to be there like eight in the morning uh -huh. and you know sitting there and listening to a boring teacher. Uh, but I love learning things on my own. Yeah. You know, so that's, you know, and which is why I got so drawn to bartending is because everything I learned, I learned on my own, yeah. you know, on top of somebody guiding with me. Sure. But education and I never really not got along. Like it was sanctioned, kind of structured education. Yeah, not structured really education. Yeah. So there, w there was a big uh, uh, pressure for me to go to college, but I didn't, I never wanted to. Yeah. I worked for about a year and a half uh, before I decided, okay, I think I can go to college now. What were you doing? Just kind of. I was, I was a, I started, my very first job, I, I worked at Pizza Hut. Uh, I was a cook. Not going to hide it. Then I moved up to a manager uh, within six months. This is still in Canada? Yeah, no, this is actually in San Antonio now. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. So what What was, because I get I get kind of a sense of the age. You're probably like 18, 19, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. What brought you to San Antonio? Then? So my parents wanted to move to San Antonio because my dad couldn't get a, a, a decent job in Canada. Gotcha, okay. Uh, you know, they weren't honoring his degrees. My oh, mom, I see. My mom's degrees weren't being honored either, but she was a little bit more successful than he was because mm -hmm. she was very technically gifted. What, gifted. what did she do? Uh, she's a computers lady. Got it. Okay. So she did a lot of uh, uh, systems analyst sort of work. Yeah. Uh, a lot of Oracle, a lot of stuff like that. You okay. know. Yeah, database. Uh, my my dad is you know kind of like he's more the management type. He's more the you know yeah that's probably the best way to yeah. put it is the management. He's a, he's a people guy. Got it. And you know the jobs that he was doing, he was working in a convenience store and he was a security guard in Canada. And he's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I've worked for my degrees and they won't honor it because it's not a degree from Canada. So he got a job actually in the film to be an educator, I mean, uh, in San Antonio to be an educator who uh, he uh, was a professor in uh, University of Incarnate Word here in San Antonio. Oh, no Antonio. kidding. Yeah, so. What, what discipline was he teaching? Management, business? Uh, business. Stuff? Yeah. yeah, business management. He he's actually has an MBA and I think right now he's actually the dean of business at uh Claflin University in South Carolina. That's crazy. So, well, good yeah. for him. Yeah, it, it worked out. I think that move ended up being a good. Oh yeah, it's, it, it was good for him. Yeah. It was good for him. So we all moved down there, and you know, around that time, my dad and my mom were kind of splitting up. Yeah, my mom actually managed to get a great job over here. 
Uh, she was working for Valero for a little bit, then she got uh, wait, the the system analyst, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. the gas station side. <laughs> yeah, no, to the corporate side. Yeah, the yeah. corporate side, and then she got a job at USA where she stayed uh, on for like almost twenty years. That's crazy. So and some good career stability on both ends. Oh, absolutely, because because I mean, she was you know doing decent in Canada, but yeah. when we moved down here, she was like, oh my god, like this is so much better. Yeah. You know, granted, there's no free healthcare thing anymore. But there's some differences for sure, but, but probably more financial opportunities. Oh, absolutely. Than Canada. Did your are your brother and sister still here? Uh, my sister lives in Toronto now. Oh, okay. Uh, she lived here. She moved here with us, but she left by the time she was 19. Mm. Yeah, 19. So by the time she's 19 or 20, yeah, she, I lived with her actually uh, for a little bit. Then she wanted to move back to move back to Canada, gotcha. and she picked Toronto because my uncle lived there. Cool. And that helped her get back into school over there. Uh, so, yeah, she's still living over there. That's cool. So, you, how about your younger brother? My younger brother uh, lives here still. Oh, cool. So he's, you guys still hang out and stuff? Um, see, he doesn't drink. Yeah. He, so, we don't really... When we hang out, it's like we're going to play video games. And right, we're just right. going to, you know, just do that. Which isn't too bad. Though. Which is not bad at it's all. It's a great way to bond. Yeah. And for me, like, you know, when I'm not... When I don't want, I don't feel like drinking anyways. That's what I do. Yeah. So sometimes it's just more fun to do it with your brother. So you it's by, just like you by on. chance still right? Uh, I do actually, and uh, I'm actually kind of trying to focus on that right now. It's a great, it's a great outlet that's not drinking. Yeah. Although the two can feed into each other. Think, you know, right? and that's the funny part though, is because everybody's always like, "Oh, you're a writer, so you must be an alcoholic, right?" So in a way, it's kind of true. Maybe so, but <laughs> some people I met someone recently. They said I can. Oh. Uh, Eric Rosentreter from Redemption. Oh, okay. He said, I can't drink and be good at art. And I'm like, oh, that's strange. It makes I sense. It, was, it totally does. Because I'm very subdued. When I write without alcohol, I, I was very subdued with what I want to say. Or, and then when, when, I, when I do drink, maybe like three or four scotches in, and that's yeah. when I'm like, I, I open up the floodgates. And usually I will go and read over what I did the next day, and I'm like, holy shit, that's so much better. Why am I not more drunk when I yeah. write, you know? Uh, right, because it become it can become a problem. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the the thing with that one is, is I don't like drinking by myself because I enjoy drinking in a social environment. Sure. I don't enjoy drinking by myself because mm. it just you know, kind of reminds me of the insecurities uh, that I have for being a loner. It's a great it's a great point. I mean, I moved around a lot too when mm-hmm. I was younger, and and I am probably to a fault too self-sufficient because yeah. then you don't let other people in right exactly and that's a problem i have well I so that. here's an interesting question a little bit of a tangent but do you find it hard to love people you know what i mean and i'm not trying to get like dr philly but it's it's hard um i wouldn't say it i wouldn't say so i usually come into you know meeting people where everybody's kind of same blank yeah, level yeah. with me uh, and it just depends what you do or what you say gotcha, to gotcha. you know get you up or down. So you're you're open to it. I'm very open. I'm I'm very. I mean, like I I can be a people person. I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I am. I know you like being. I, I, yeah. I saw that F, Espelon thing. Like I could see you performing and yeah, enjoying that. I, I enjoy that. I enjoy I enjoy making people laugh. I enjoy you know I enjoy being a you know being a bit of an idiot. You know I I like I like making people laugh. You mm-hmm. know I, I like the. Uh, and that's actually kind of the thing with my writing too. Is my writing is more tend tended to more uh, represent the comedic side. Interesting. I try not to make it sound like comedic, but like when you look at it and you stand back and you write and you read it, it's like oh, that's really funny. What kind of comedy do you like? Who's you can talk stand up or writer? What kind of things do you, are you into? 
Um, so I'm into a lot of stand-up. I can't really, like, specify. I can't really, because it always changes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I know my favorites have always been, like, George Carlin and oh, yeah. uh, uh, Louis C.K. and, uh, uh, shit, even fucking, what's his name, Sam Kinnear? Sam Kinison. Yeah, yeah. Kinison. Yeah, Kinison. yeah. Oh, I fucking loved him. You know, and so it, everybody was like, well, he, you know, or in Rodney Dangerfield. And, yeah. You know, and that's kind of my way of comedy, too, is I, I, I love self-deprecating humor. Yeah, for sure. Like, I do that a lot. And, you know, and I'm sure you've seen some of my Facebook posts is always somewhat self-deprecating. Yeah. It's just funny that way. Torch- yeah. well, I think so, too. I mean, there's the tortured artist thing that works. It works yeah, for a it reason. It works. Exactly. I, I think we need. Right now, we really need some George Carlin, man. Yeah. We need yeah. someone that is screaming his head off about how fucked up things are. Yeah. Yeah. No. But a different topic altogether, I'm sure. So yeah, exactly. Did you end up finishing school then here in San Antonio? Um, so I went to Incarnate Word. Yeah. Uh, was your dad working there at that yeah, point? Yeah. My dad was working there at the time. And uh, he's like, well, while I'm working here, you get free tuition. Fuck yeah, dude. Which that place, I mean, it's $30,000 per semester, That's I believe. Really, really expensive. I mean, because it's a private university. Yeah. So it's it's insane, insanely priced. And then, so I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. And then, you know, I, at the time, like I said, I was working at Pizza Hut. I have a little money. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'd still like to apply for uh, uh you know, uh, financial aid because there's all these other fees. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like going to a public university and a private university is you still pay the same, you know, sure. fees you pay in a uh, private university that you do in a public university. They just also have another $30,000 on top. Exactly. So that's waived. But they, because they said that it was waived, I can't get financial aid. Oh, man. So that pissed that. me off. Yeah. So I was, you know, doing college. I was working 60 hours a week as a manager in Pizza Hut, and I was, uh, I was also going to school for 18 hours per semester. What were you writing, can I assume, or was something else? Uh, I, actually, I wanted to get into creative writing, uh, but, you know, my, my parents kind of uh, guilt-tripped me over changing my major, which, which business happens. Yes, yeah. uh, business <laughs> marketing, happened, actually. Yeah. Business marketing. So I did that. Not that it wasn't terrible. Right. I mean, I, I actually took a lot from the marketing side of things. It's just I wasn't maybe as interested in it. But actually, by the time I got to college and how the structure in classes is so much different mm-hmm. than it was in high school, I actually kind of enjoyed my time there. That's good. I uh, mean, it's good because you don't get to live that time again. No, you know what I mean. Like not. now, you got obligations, you got bills, and just to kind of be open to education and not be jaded about the world yet. Yeah. That's a nice feeling. And, and especially, like, these are the things that, like, you can actually sit there and, like, you know what? I will use that yeah. in the future. It's not like, you well, know, business quadratic is very decisions. applicable. Yeah, yeah. I, I can, like, anything, like, the, the sociology side of it, the, the demographics yeah. and, you know, like, just marketing in general. It's like, I can use this for anything. For sure. I can use this for everything. Yeah, so it's applicable. It's, it's good. Well, so I, I, I think here's an interesting intersection. I interviewed Javi recently. Uh-huh. And... Did you guys work at Sushi, Sushi at the same time? Yes, actually, that's where we met. No uh, kidding. I, actually, after college would also bring me to where I first got got into bartending. Yeah. Uh, at the time, I was working at Bennigan's right next to Sushi Jushi. Okay. So Bennigan's, of course, as we know, is that Irish, you know. Hell yeah, you know, the Monte Cristo. Yeah, dude. the Monte Cristo all day. So I get, I went in there as a server, but I applied to be a barback. Mm. And they're like, well, we don't really have any room for barbacks right now. Because we don't really have a bar back. We only have bartenders. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, well, can I be a bartender? Like, no, you don't have any experience, but we'll hire you as a server. So I showed interest in that. So I was a server for a while, but I kept going up to the bar and asking them questions. Uh, we had a 
really rude dude that worked there named uh, Dan. I can't remember his last name. Bartender guy? Yeah, bartender. He's super rude. He always gave me a lot of shit. The rude dude is a great nickname, mind you. Yeah, I know. That's like a great fucking wrestler name. Yeah, and I was going to say it's a pro wrestler (laughs) name. Uh, So Dan would give me shit all the time. And, you know, when I'd tell him I'm interested in a bar, he'll laugh at me, laugh in my face. And just Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you can't can't do this job. Eventually, like, I got really drunk uh, one day off of work while he was working. And I, you know, kind of, you know, let loose on him. And he was laughing his ass off. I was like, that's good. That's good. I'm going to start telling you about bartending now. <laughs> so because I got into an argument with him and I fucking lashed out at him, that like, he's like, I like him. You shall pass. He, he's got balls. That's, I love that. Uh, so, so you start. The, the, the door has opened into the booze realm. Yeah. And that's where it opened. So I was, I did, instead of actually being right at the bar, they moved me to a cocktail server. Yeah. Uh, so... With that being around the bar all the time, I started getting more like uh, uh, information about liquor and right. cocktails. How, was, it, was booze a piece? Like, did your mom and dad drink at all? My dad was a great drink, a uh, big drinker, but all he drank was light beer. Oh, okay. And my mom didn't really drink a lot. Uh, she liked margaritas, Got but it. like the booze part, it's not really big. They're not really on the creative side of booze, right. as far as the two of them are concerned. Uh, like I said, my dad, I, he didn't even take shots. He just drank light beer all the time. He will kill a case very quickly. Right. Uh, again, I tried to go toe-to-toe with him on that one. Failed miserably. <laughs> probably is also the reason why I cannot drink light beer anymore. Well, there's there's got to be a reason. Yeah. So Under, Underneath all of that, you know? Exactly. Well, so it, it sounds like things, you, you're developing an interest, maybe a creative interest in, in flavors. Because you're like cooking, which yeah. is a larger version of cocktail. Exactly. Like Huge reversion. Yeah. Um, so I didn't really get into the cocktail part. I kind of wanted to just get into the bartending part because, yeah. like I said, I, I, I'm a, I've always been a loner all my life, and I kind of enjoyed the fact that, like, you know, whenever I when I turned 21 eventually, like this during college, and I would see people walk in and just be, like, coming up to the bartender, and the bartender just ran the room. and Interaction, respected. right? Yeah. And I was like, God, that's fucking amazing. I want to be like that. And honestly, like, besides writer, my number two was actually bartender. Yeah. Like, that's some, something I wanted to be. Wow. And so I was just so enamored by the fact that, like, the bartender run the room. And no matter who walked in and, you know, when somebody was de- being a dick, all he did to say was just a few words. And yeah. they were just, okay, I'm sorry. I heard, this is interesting, because I heard yeah. this sentiment yesterday when I was talking with Zara Bates. And she said, you go into this industry mm-hmm. looking for the thing that you're looking for. Yeah. Some people want a sense of duty, right? They want to get yeah. down in the weeds and they want to craft things, uh, prep, perhaps yeah. logistical things. Yeah, Seems like without knowing it or knowing it, it became a window for you to be able to be more social and to be more connected with people. And I think that had a lot to do with it because, of course, even then, I would never really go out to bars by myself. And when I do yeah. go out to bars by myself, I would usually chat up the bartender yeah. and just kind of pick their brain. And it's... It's, you know, like, it's always been, like, I, I always kind of looked up to bartenders yeah. for that. And some people are like, that's kind of a, you know, like a little thing to look at. No, know? but so it's, it, it, <laughs> you're right. It, people perceive it that way, but yeah. it, it's a lucrative career It is now. a very lucrative career. I mean, I can, I can attest to that. Yeah. I can attest to that, you know. Um, but so this, yeah, so this is, um, I, you get, again, like, kind of these interesting chapters about things. You're a writer. You Did you end up finishing school, getting your degree and all that? Uh, no, actually, I almost did, but I just 
got tired of it, of course. Yeah. Well, because of the structure. Again, yeah. Right. Because like, because it. I'm just a fickle bastard. And I just could not. <laughs> I just could not do it anymore. So I was like, no, I, I quit. I thought it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, you know, you pick up a couple gigs and you're kind of building your chops and understanding mm-hmm. ingredients and compiling these things. For you, what was kind of the eye-opening moment where you realize like making drinks is more than just making drinks. It is a balance of flavor. It's about places, about time. So I really wasn't interested in trying to make drinks creatively until after I worked with uh, uh, Jarrett and Esquire. And that was four years after I've already started bartending. Oh, wow. So I really wasn't interested at first in that side of things. Uh, again, I was more interested in the social aspect yeah. of it. But, you know, you mentioned Javi and how we worked at Sushi Juicy together. That's exactly what happened. Uh, he left Sushi Juicy to work with Jarrett uh, yeah, yeah. when he opened the Esquire Tavern. And he calls me up because he knows I'm having problems with Sushi Juicy because I'm not a, I'm a notoriously, you know, hard person to work with. <laughs> what, 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 what is the element that makes it difficult? Why are you? Because you seem real amenable and real like cordial right now. Um, I'm not reading, if I'm not picking up on something. Um, I have, I, 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 I don't know. I have a very, very short temper. I, see. I mean, there's okay. nothing that we're doing right now that will make me angry unless yeah. you maybe punch me in the face. I can't. My reach isn't long enough. Yeah, but even if you do, I probably won't even be that angry. <laughs> but if you punch me in the face during work, I'll probably, you know, get myself thrown. But see, that's like, that's a reasonable reason to yeah. be mad. You exactly. Punch, why the fuck did you punch me? I'm kind of pissed now. Right, exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, exactly. But notoriously hard to work with. I'm going to have to... I'll, I'll ask Javi and see, see what he says. But uh, yeah, yeah, please do. Uh, yeah. He's, he's he's probably gonna say no. He really isn't. He just has a temper. That's 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 what it is. I have a temper. Got it. Running hot. Uh, and you know, sometimes people will say the wrong things, and I will, you know, instead of thinking about what I'll say, I'll fire first, and I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. You no, know? but that's all right. Fine. We all go through that yeah. stuff. That's what makes us passionate, fiery, creative types. Yeah, passionate is something I've been described to be. That's uh, good. Because I really do get into it sometimes when I when I describe what I do. You yeah. Know? But anyways. Like but this, so back to the Esquire, Javi's yeah. there, Jared's there. You got a great team already, it sounds oh, like. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I always look fondly at those days in 2011. Uh, when 2011, 2012, when he brought me in, he's like, I don't have a room for a bartender right now. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is going to segue into Steve Martin, who's my best friend. Uh, uh, I don't have any room for a bartender right now. I, could you work as a server instead? You know, I was willing to swallow my pride because, like, Javi was telling me, like, you need to work here. Mm. This is where bartenders like us need to be. Mm. And, you know, I was looking at what they were doing. I was like, this is amazing. Like, this craft cocktail business is amazing. And I was looking at the menu. I was like, wait, Jared created that drink? Jared created that drink? You created it? Wow. Like, for me, I was like, what? I, I yeah, don't Coming know from that. a corporate place, right? I only know the little black book that we bartenders always used to carry. Like, all, all of us club bartenders, restaurant bartenders carry. We know how to make fucking grasshoppers, yeah, but yeah. I don't know about all this other shit. Like, this is, this is amazing. You came up with a drink? And that's what I would say. And I was like, you came up with a drink? How can you, how can you do that? Yeah. And so, you know, it, I, I was enamored by it. And so we, you know, as a server, I just kind of studied a lot. You know, that's when I kind of, like, went off to the side and just started buying books, picking up books and reading over it. Again, my, learning at your own pace. Just right? learning yeah. at my own pace. Like, because I was over here, I was like, I don't know what to sell because they have this shelf of liquor. I don't know what half of it is. It's insane. It's like yeah. a library in there. It's like coming in from the club club and restaurant bar scene and you go into there. Mm-hmm. It's it's different. Oh, like, sure. I mean, when when I have no idea what the fuck Aperol was. You yeah, know? Right. Like, what is that? Like, I know what Campari is, but I didn't know Campari tasted the way it did because it always just sat in every single bar I worked at. Yeah, yeah. Sat in a corner full of flies. Even TABC wouldn't pick it up, right? You know, but this one they had Campari in each well. I'm like, why? Why is that? 
you know, and I I learned to love this stuff too. Sure. Exactly. But um, yeah. So that that kind of piqued my interest, and you know, I've always kind of pushed for it. So around the same time I got hired, uh, Steve Martin got hired, uh, and he went straight to bartender. What the fuck? I, and I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. How is this guy bartending and I'm not? Like, this makes no sense to me. I mean, granted, right. uh, uh, Jared gave me a practical test. Well, not really a practical, but like he asked me a few questions. Sure, sure. I, I answered them very, very wrongly. Uh, and so Steve Martin came in. He didn't even get a test. He just got hired. I later on find out that, that he and Jared went to high school together. Oh, no shit. So I'm like, okay, this motherfucker. I don't like this guy anymore. Cronyism. And so... You know, going back to, you know, perpetuating it, you know, I, my, the, the kids would always kind of make fun of me for being Asian. So there there'll always be some jokes here and there, some right. off-color jokes. And Steve would used to just kind of, like, participate uh, with it. But, like, very, like, the way he did it was very annoying to me. So uh, Javi would just be like, you know, change the L's to R's kind of thing when right. he's talking to me, some, that, that sort of thing. And then you'll just hear Steve Martin in the back and go, oh, no. Oh, jeez. And I just look at him like, okay. And like after the third time, I just went to Javi. Like, man, I'm gonna fucking hit that guy one day. Like, I, who, I don't even know who he is. He, I don't know why he's like. He's like, dude, he's cool. Don't worry about did it. Did you hit him? No. Okay. No, never did. We actually bonded over football. Oh, that's good. Wait, yeah. what kind of football? Uh, it, it was fo- U.S. football. Yeah, okay. American football. Uh, no, yeah, fuck that. He doesn't do <laughs> soccer. I don't do soccer. Uh, it was it was a game uh, between Notre Dame and uh, Michigan. He's a Notre Dame grad, so. Uh, he sense. predicted the outcome of the game at the second quarter. Oh, that's crazy. The entire outcome, word for word, play for play yeah. of the game. Notre Dame losing, of course. And, <laughs> of course. Uh, he, he, he predicted it like to the T. And I'm just like, I was over there like, you're fucking amazing, man. Like, this, this is cool. Yeah. And so since then, we just became good friends. And like, I was actually the best man of his wedding. No kidding. And, you know, in the, in the same football related thing, I fumbled the ring handing it off to the. Uh, <laughs> I like the, the word fumble though. Yeah. <laughs> I fumbled the ring handing it into the priest. So he's just like, Yeah, you're yeah. This you're is never the last gonna be the, time. You're this never is the last gonna... time you're my best man. I was like, I hope so too for your sake. <laughs> God, don't hope it's soon. It's yeah. The way things go. Jesus. So actually about coming about December of twenty eleven, uh, it was my birthday. Uh Jared and we had it at Hobby's place. Jared came by and he's like, Hey, Pops and, you know, he used to say Pops. He says Pops a lot. Hey Pops. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, your schedule's gonna change uh, next week. And happy birthday. That's what he said. Mm. I'm kind of like, what the fuck does he mean by that? So he grabbed me some mezcal or whatever, and, I'm, and it just finally clicked as I was, you know, drinking a mezcal. I was like, oh shit, I'm gonna be a bartender. You got it. And he's like, yep. Like, oh wow, this is awesome. It's amazing. And you know, that time, that time, and, and I'll tell you the staff right now. The staff was myself, mm. uh, Steve Martin, Kara uh, Carmack. Rob Gourlay, Elizabeth Forsyth, Jeez. Uh, Jarrett, uh, Javi, right? Javi, uh, we had Joe Hernandez. Those are all the bartenders. We had barbacks, uh, Roy Guerrero and Sarab- uh, Vicente Sarabia. And that was like, that was the crew, man. That's the, like the, the all-star team. That was, that was, I mean, all of us ran bars at one point in our time since yeah. then. And like, that was a James Beard nominated, like, you know, Esquire crew. Yeah. Like, that was an amazing time in my life. You know what's interesting about that? Yeah. I love that because I think about the the NBA All-Star team, or the yeah. NBA Olympic team. Yeah. Remember that? Like, Patrick Ewing, oh, Larry yeah. Bird. Oh, yeah. The Dream Team, yeah. Yeah, the Dream Team. Exactly. Yeah. So, there is one of those yeah. in Austin yeah. at a certain place in a certain time. There's one of those in Dallas yeah. at a certain place in a certain time. And oh, so, absolutely. now, finally, 
I understand what it was for San Antonio. Oh yeah, and that's San- where that was the epicenter of where everything went. It's grew. funny because we didn't really think of it that mu- that way well, at of course first. Not. It was just yeah. so much fun because what we were thinking about was Bohannon's because Bohannon's at the time had Jay Corney, Jordan Corney, Andy Hack, Chris Ware, yeah, Timmy Bryan. They also had their dream team, sure, but we kind of revered that more because they were under Sasha's tutelage. Yeah, so we're like, those guys are fucking badass. That's that's what we strive to be. We just did our own thing. I mean, somewhat influenced by Sasha, of course, yeah. because he pretty much kind of set the standard here in uh, San Antonio. Uh, but you know, we did our own thing. We we were the we were the wacky you know group. Well, it's gotta start. So, I mean, it's. I try to think of guys that died really young, like Nick Drake or something, uh-huh. and like they put out three records and have this massive impact. And it yeah. kind of feels like that at that time. But the thing Absolutely. is, you guys didn't know, and no. you went and formed other bands, but they were never as like, oh no, as influential as it would be at that one point. Oh no, man. not at all, not at all. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm not saying that like, because uh, because Steve Martin and I, at any given chance that we can do it, we'll we'll work together. Yeah. Uh, because actually, after Esquire, we worked together at Nao, but that's that's good. But that that whole team right there, man, that was that was, that was the it. most. I mean, that was the most amazing time I had as a bartender. That's incredible. Uh, and it was it was great, and then it was funny because we would all just go to each other's bars. I, we'd go to Bahamas, we'd go to you know uh, Soho, yeah. And all actually, a lot of the whole downtown area around that time was actually pretty stacked. Brett Cohen was at uh uh uh. Soho at the time, uh, I know Luffy and Eddie are always going to be there. They're, they're, you know, mainstays. They're amazing bartenders. Mm-hmm. And, like, that whole time, 2011 to 2012, was great for I could see, like, the glisten in your eyes. Yeah, no. You know it's, what I mean? It's, it's, it's like, God damn, those are halcyon days. Th- those, those were amazing days, yeah. man. Those were amazing days. Like, I, I remember going in. Like, I, I love going to work on Tuesday. It would be, like, me and Kara. Yeah. And we'd close the bar down at twelve and make a shit ton of money, and we just, you know, it's always every day was fun. Yeah. Every day was fun for about a ten month period. That's incredible. Until we started all splitting off and doing sure. our own thing. But you have to, you have yeah. to evolve. And so, like, we, I know there's been many other places that you've worked at, but this most recent chapter uh-huh. being at Paramore, yeah. right? So when you were the bar manager at Paramore, yeah, had lots of responsibility. How long were you doing that gig? Uh, so that was uh, actually I. Jumped on Paramore back in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, but the bar didn't open until mid 2015. Got it. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I was kind of like building up the responsibilities and the uh, the uh, training manuals and stuff. And yeah. And I had a sparse information sheet I wrote down for everybody because we had this ridiculous uh, uh, amount of liquor yeah. uh, on our back bar. And so I kind of researched every single one and had like this. 300 page craziness that Again, I wrote with up the for. education right yeah, yeah. I, I'm educating my guys now and I, I was right. thinking about like how how would I make it to where it's not boring to read right bullet points yeah. everybody loves bullet points Dude, way easier way easier tweet tweet it at them yeah four words or less yeah you know boom 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 boom. okay now I understand great Makes that's, sense. that's how I understand things easier too mm-hmm. you know so stuff like that uh, so I got involved with that actually Chris Ware I met through cocktail conference okay I mean, I knew him from working at Bohannon's, of course. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, when we, he would come in at Esquire and I'd come in at Bohannon's, I knew him from there. But, like, our working relationship didn't really start till the second cocktail conference. And that was when I actually uh, separated with the Esquire mm-hmm. to go work at Nail. And uh, Chris was running the juice room over, actually, in this hotel. Yeah. Uh, before Team Taco was around, we were the juice boys. We were the ones who were, you know, batching all the cocktails for the events. 
And that first day, we worked for 26 hours. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is fun. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's in the trenches. You know? Yeah, it was just in the trenches. We smelled like citrus by the end of it. He slept in the, the juice room. He didn't even go to his room that he had one specific. Right, right. He just stayed there in the juice room. I went home because I lived close by. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I went back at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning. All right, let's do it over again, man. So that's kind of like how me and Chris Ware's working relationship was built. In was the trenches, because, bonding yeah. in the trenches? Yeah, yeah. because of cocktail Well, so is Chris, does Chris have affiliation with Paramore? Yeah, he's the GM. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, Chris Ware's the GM. Yeah, you help you help me kind of understand this stuff. Yeah, or disambiguate the San Antonio. Yeah, I'm just kind of we're kind of going all over the place. Yeah, Not really no, no, no. I mean, I, yeah, it's but it, it's it's important because it seems like a pretty clear voyage and a pretty clear kind of like narrative through this whole thing. Like, what makes you you? Yeah, you know? exactly. I think that that's important. So you were just recently you made the decision to mm -hmm. kind of part ways. Yeah, which having. Kind of a really decorated career, like you've had thus far, working at great places with great people. Yeah. What What is the main impetus for you, to kind of parting ways with Paramore? You know, it goes back to what we were talking about. I've been trying to work on a book uh, about my career. Yeah. And not so much an autobiography, but like how everything was changing around me, and then especially this is more, mostly about 2014, 2015, uh, when mm -hmm. I jumped over with Paramore and. When all these new bars opened up, like Juniper Tar and Mescalera Micheli, and mm -hmm. all these great places that opened up here in San Antonio, that most of them I helped open because at the time we were waiting for Paramore to open. Right. So the the, the story is about like how the bartending world was for us when we went from small market like five bars to like we're now at like twelve, thirteen great yeah. bars, and how the staff or how how the people just spread and how all of our students now run things, and it's just. It, I, I thought you had it was a lot of very, thoughts on it, a lot of Yeah, it, it's just a very profound time. Like that 2014-2015 period was just a very profound time as a, as a bartender in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to speak on it, and I wanted to write about it. And not only that, I also had a couple of ideas, but I kind of wanted to go back to writing because yeah. that is still my number one thing that I want to do. I already achieved a number two. I already became a bartender. Yeah. And not only just a bartender, I was a pretty damn success, successful bartender. So that was, you know, that was a dream I already achieved. So now I kind of want to achieve the first dream. That's incredible. So you know how, I, like, that's, yeah. I like when people do things that are scary. Yeah. Okay. That's what you, that's the only way you can advance your career. Yeah. That's, it simply is. Yeah. And what, you see it being a publishing deal? Do you see staying in San Antonio? What What does that look like? I mean, if, if I could stay in San Antonio, that'd be great. I, I really love the city. I mean, yeah. I've lived here. 20 years now i mean we didn't really go about the time that you know from canada to here but yeah i've lived here 20 years now and i couldn't think of any other place i want to live at and that's yeah. me having traveled to most cities here in the u.s most great big cities most wonderful cities and i love a lot of like these cities but just like every time i see them it's just like i know now why i love san antonio the most you yeah. know so that's why i'd probably just stay here uh you know bartending or otherwise i mean not that it's you know, like, I don't know, the building what I built here for myself here in San Antonio, I think it's really hard to leave that, I know. you know. And if I can still write books and still be in the same, you know, community, yeah. maybe just doing something else now. And, and, and also, like, a lot of the things I want to write about is San Antonio bartending. San, this, this, you know, this San Antonio-centric. Yeah, this very San Antonio-centric because I, I love this town. I love the people in it. Yeah. You know, it's just I, I cannot... 
I cannot fathom what my life would be like if I had moved to other towns uh, because my life here is pretty amazing, yeah. you know. And the people I'm around, the people that, you know, I, I associate myself with and the people I work with are all amazing people, you know. What's and it, these are things I want to write about, you know. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I, I think about it. And so I've got a couple remaining questions for you. It's like the first thing I think about is, well, what about in another capacity? So traveling and writing go hand in hand. Yeah. So what if someone comes to the table with an offer and says, hey, we want you to represent so-and-so brand as the national guy? Is that interest you to be able to kind of do both um so i actually had a dark time as a salesman <laughs> uh, i don't <laughs> I think really, we all have yeah i don't really want to do that anymore yeah uh, i can do it uh it i just wouldn't be happy Understand. Uh, and i'd probably i mean they're gonna have to really either well even then even if they did pay me a lot of money i'd just quickly lose interest and i'd just be more of a liability than i am yeah. you know so that's why I never really tried to get my foot in the door to, you know, the brand representation right. at all. It's just I don't think you're I, a writer, yeah. man. I can't do that for people. Yeah. You know, I can't I can't do that to people either. Yeah. You know, so. well, it's, it's interesting. I just I think there's a lot that you could write about. And I think that starting in a place that's familiar, I think, is really important. But I also feel like you've got some experiences that can expound upon that. But go beyond that. Like human condition shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Does that interest you too? To a write lot, a book of that nature. Of I that feel scope? like a lot of my writing actually likes to. Exp- uh, we I like to explore emotion. Yeah. You know because uh, I I tend to be somewhat emotional, hence the short temper. Sure. Uh, I like to explore human emotion and human connection and all that, and that's why a lot of the things I write would always be people centric, dialogue centric. You yeah. know, my favorite kinds of movies are dialogue movies, like Quentin Tarantino movies, sure. anything to do with heavy dialogue. Uh, I love that, and uh, so I think for me that's why there's always going to be people. It's going to be about people, uh, and not so much situation, but just like how people are connected and how people are yeah. interacting with each other. And that's that's kind of like an interest of mine. I just, you know, sociology was one of my favorite sub- subjects in college, and you know, it's just kind of that's that's same thing. You know, yeah. just, I I like you know the study of people, and I like to study people. You know, and that's probably why I'm also a bartender because you know while I, while a lot of us would say like, oh, I hate dealing with people, it's it's there's an interesting you know whole thing to that to just observing people in their you know in their habitat. Yeah, you know, I think it's something really primal about that. Yeah, absolutely. Observing and kind of interacting. So, well, dude, it's been brilliant chatting. I'm so glad you're able to yeah, kind of step yeah. away from the taco laden St. Anthony Hotel. You I know, mean, and there is a lot of tacos, so, yeah, <laughs> so hopefully I'm, there's still some when I get back. I'm sure there will be, mate. I I can't wait to see what what comes from that mind of yours you know where it where it evolves and where it goes you know uh i plan i plan to be published by the end of the year so you know great plan uh hopefully that will happen if it doesn't i mean shit i can always turn down turn back to my number two right i'm pretty good at that (laughs) number two turn it down all right dude thanks so much johnny for chatting with me yeah absolutely man well, there we have it, Mr. Johnny Umal, the San Antonio cocktail legend himself. Very easy to talk to, very easy to get along with. I'm very excited about the transition for him from behind the bar to behind the wheel to behind the typewriter. I suppose on the horizon is the next great American novel, and I hope he can pen exactly the thoughts that he's been thinking and feeling for so long. So best of luck on pursuing the published work, Johnny, and it was great getting to chat with you.
And thank you for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what you're thinking about Cameron Crowe's latest project, Roadies on Showtime, which I personally think is quite great, or if you're thinking, man, when is Calvados and Apple Brandy truly going to be the next big thing in American cocktails, please keep dancing.